Some news is news you just have to share. You ever had news like that that you just had to go and tell somebody? I got into that course at uni. I'm engaged. I have a new grandchild. Even this week, someone's excitedly told me, I got a job. Someone else couldn't wait to tell me that they're going overseas next year. Sometimes we just have news that excites and it makes a difference and we just have to share it. Friends, over the last two weeks, we've been told who God is and what he's doing in the world. And he excites. He makes a difference. And we just have to share this news because the splendor of Jesus Christ It is a beauty even the Bible struggles to contain and describe. His dazzling goodness, his blinding authority. He even came to earth to die a horrible death that we might be forgiven of our sins. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. He is the God of power and might, the God of grace and peace. It's both right and good that we turn away from our sin, rush to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness and come under his authority. Our God deserves all glory and praise. The greatest thing we can do for someone is to tell them about Christ, which is exactly where Paul goes in verses 12 to 26. If God is this majestic, deserving of all glory and praise, as we've seen over the past two weeks, then people just have to hear about him. From verse 12, Paul speaks of three strong reasons why not to tell people about the Lord Jesus. But each time, he says, even despite these things, we must still preach Christ. People just have to know about him. For their sake, true, Christ is the only way anyone can be saved. But more importantly, for Christ's sake, what matters is that Christ is preached so that he would receive the honour and the glory he deserves. Now, before we look at it, just uh, to make sure we're all on the same page, Paul is going to mention preaching Christ several times in our passage. And when he does so, he does not just mean uh, giving sermons during church. When he says preach, he simply means to tell, to speak about. So you can preach Christ in a casual conversation with friends because it's simply to say the truth about Christ. When Paul speaks of preaching in these verses, he's talking about something we can all do because he's just talking about talking. And what matters is that Christ is preached even if you're sent to prison for it. Come and have a look at verse 12 with me. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians from prison. Uh, Paul had been actively telling people about Christ. People hated him for it, so they sent him to jail. But that's okay because it means that Paul was preaching Christ And he still can preach Christ. So verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So sure, Paul's in prison, but everyone knows why. And whether it's Paul's reputation that's preceded him or simply word of mouth getting around or the fact that Paul just keeps chatting to every single guard that's assigned to watch over him, the whole palace guard knows Paul's in prison for Christ. So sure, he's in prison, but that's okay because he can still preach Christ and that's what matters. 
But Paul being in prison hasn't just led to more opportunities for him to preach Christ. It's meant others have been bold in telling people about Jesus as well. And even if they're doing it from false motives, out of spite against Paul, that's okay. Because what matters is that Christ is preached. Verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Okay, so Paul's in prison and it's given some of the brothers, most of the brothers, more boldness to speak about Christ. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a bit weird at first. I mean, if Paul's been put in prison, it's not hard to work out what's going to happen if I speak out about Christ. So why would I? So it does sound weird at first, but when we hear of people we love copying a hard time, we want to stick up for them, don't we? When I was growing up, I had lots and lots and lots of fights with my younger brother. I'm not proud of it. We knew how to get on each other's nerves, and so we did. But if Pete ever got in trouble or something was said about him that was bad, I was the first to leap to his defence. He might, might have got me in trouble too, but that was okay. If Pete was going down, I was going to go down with him. Now, perhaps it's something similar going on here. If Paul's been put in prison for standing up for Christ, then we'll stand up for Christ as well. That wasn't the case for everybody. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So while Paul's in prison, some are boldly proclaiming Christ to partner with him, but others are preaching Christ out of envy, trying to make life hard for Paul. But as far as Paul's concerned, he doesn't care. False motives or true, just as long as Christ is preached. Verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. It's a remarkably clear outlook on life, isn't it? He's like someone forced to lie on a bed of nails outside in 40 degree heat. But they're excited because the dry weather means their kids can play sport. You know, even though terrible things are happening for Paul, he's excited because his imprisonment has meant more people are hearing about Christ. That's what he's focused on. As long as people are hearing about the Lord Jesus, he can rejoice. The world out there has lots of different reasons why they rejoice. Uh, when, they, when the horse they bet on wins, that's, that's a reason to get excited. Or the weekend being a time when they can get wildly drunk, that's something to rejoice in. But maybe we're not too dissimilar to the world out there. I mean, what is it that needs to happen for you to rejoice? As long as the kids are happy, I'll rejoice. As long as I'm healthy, I'll rejoice. As long as I can buy that next iPhone, I'll rejoice. As long as we get to the holidays, I'll be happy. As long as my life is comfortable, I'll be happy. See, are we short-sighted and self-obsessed like the world? Or are you, like Paul, so captivated by the Lord Jesus, so convicted of his worth and so overwhelmed in your knowledge and in your love of the Lord Jesus that for you, as long as people are hearing about Jesus, you'll rejoice? 
For Paul, he was willing to go to prison for preaching Christ. In fact, he was willing to die for it. At the time of him writing this letter, there was a real chance he might. The death penalty wasn't out of the question for Paul. And strangely, this put him in a bit of a dilemma. Because Paul wanted to live. He wanted to preach Christ. But if he was to die, then that would mean going to be with Christ, which is better by far. So he finds himself torn between wanting to live and wanting to die. Let's pick it up at the end of verse 18. End of verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Even though Paul knows it's possible that he could be killed, he expects that he'll be delivered, that he'll be released. But that's not all he expects. Verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Did you catch that? Paul expects that if he's allowed to live, he'll exalt Christ and he expects that if he dies, he'll exalt Christ, that he'll not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus, even if it means being killed for him. When I was in year 12, we were in English class and our teacher was talking about being willing to die for a cause and he asked the class if any of us would be willing to die for something. There was silence. I was sitting next to my friend Damien who I'd been talking to about Jesus for quite some time and he leaned over and whispered to me, Would you be willing to die for Jesus? And I whispered back, I'm thinking. The silence hung in the room. No one said anything. The teacher moved on. And it was only then, in the safety of not having to show my colours to the class, then I said to Damien, Yes, I'd die for Jesus. But who was I kidding? I couldn't even say it to my English class, let alone actually die for Christ. The Apostle Paul, he expected that he'd in no way be ashamed of Christ, even if it meant being killed for him. Now, what's driving him to be like this? Why is he so focused, so clear-minded, so devoted? He tells us, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For Paul, life is about Christ. Death is about Christ. Everything's about Christ. If we live, that's great. Because we can make much of Christ here. We can preach him to the world. And that's what matters. But if we die, that's even better. Because then we go to be with Christ, which is better by far. So what do you choose? Life or death? It's a hard choice. Verse 22. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, that is to die, and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Did you catch that? Paul just said that dying is better than living by far. Has he flipped his lid? Death is better than life? 
Now, just to be clear, Paul's not suggesting that Christians should organise their own death. Uh, Become Christian and kill yourself, you'll be better off by far. That is not what the Apostle is saying. What he is saying is that both life and death are all about Christ. And so life, this life, is extremely precious. It is valuable. It is something not to be wasted because to live is Christ. We are here to make much of him, to preach him, to honour him, to help others to honour the Lord Jesus in their lives. As Paul says to the Philippians in verse 24, for their sake it's better that Paul lives so that he can keep speaking Christ to them. To live is Christ. But to die is gain because then we've got to be with Christ and that's better than anything. Paul clearly wants to live. Life is good. But his understanding of why life's good might be different to yours and mine. Because when we think of why life's good, we can think of things like looking forward to a new house, or there's some holidays coming up, watching the kids or the grandkids grow up, or I've just got a new gadget to play with. Life's worth living because of what we can get out of it. No. Life's worth living because it gives us opportunity to speak about Christ. Life's good because we can honour Christ with it. Life's terrific. Because we can tell the world about the majestic Lord Jesus and help others to acknowledge him rightly. Friends, this life that you've been given, it is not yours for you to make the most out of for yourself. It's to make much of Christ. What matters is that Christ is proclaimed. Can you see how these verses are all about that what matters is that Christ is preached? Even though you might get sent to prison, even when you are in prison, even if it's from false motives, even though death's better because it takes you to Christ himself, what matters is that here and now people are hearing about the Lord Jesus for Christ's sake, for God's glory, and for the sake of the people around us. What matters is that Christ is preached now. But it's not always easy. Today, if we try and preach Christ, raise him as a topic of conversation, we can often get shut down. Even if we just mention that we went to church on the weekend and we loved it, very quickly we find people don't want to talk to us anymore. Now, why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons. But one reason is because as a society, we've swallowed the lie that what's true for you is true for you, but that doesn't mean it's true for me. So I have my truth and you have yours. And as long as it works for you, I'm really happy for you. But don't try and tell me what's true and false. So you'll hear people say that what you think about God is a private matter. In other words, keep it to yourself. I'm really pleased that you've found God or whatever it is, but don't talk to me about it. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you can believe whatever you want. Just keep it to yourself. And could it be that we've been hearing this for so long that we kind of go along with it? I mean, what right do you have to tell someone else about how to live? Who are you to say that you're right and they're wrong? And they don't seem to be hurting anyone. They can't be that bad. It'd certainly be a lot easier if I didn't try and talk to them about Jesus. They'd prefer it if I kept my mouth shut. I don't want to offend them. I think I'll just keep my thoughts about Jesus to myself. You ever had those sorts of thoughts running through your head? 
Brothers and sisters, I know the world out there isn't that keen on hearing about Jesus. But these verses in Philippians, they are like a siren bellowing against the wind of our culture. God wants us to know that what matters is that Christ is preached for the sake of his honour, for his glory, for his rightful praise, Christ must be preached. Last week I mentioned my dad's funeral. He was a great man in many ways. Sure, had his faults. Absolutely, had his faults. But he was a great man. Now if at dad's funeral someone hopped up and started spurting out lies about him, defaming dad, dragging his name through the mud, publicly bringing my dad into disgrace, I would have been furious. I would not have sat back and let that slide. For the honour of my dad, I'd say something. Friends, for the honour of our Father in heaven, let's say something. Billions of people all over the world do not give God the time of day. Thousands of people right here in our town do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Many of our own neighbours continue in rejection of the God who made them and owns them, and so they do not give God his due, his glory, his praise. And so for the glory of God, for the sake of his name and the salvation of those around us, let's preach Christ over the fence, over the phone, down the street, in a letter, on Facebook, to your kids, to your parents, with your school friends, with your enemies, with strangers, with anyone. When someone complains about Christmas and all the rush, say that you love celebrating that God came to save people. When someone speaks to you about the frailty of life, why not ask them if they've ever thought about what happens when we die? Let's speak to whoever will listen. Let's look for opportunity. Hey, let's create opportunities to talk to people about Jesus because we live for Christ, for the glory of the Father. Paul, in these verses, he's not trying to put us on a guilt trip, and I certainly hope I'm not giving you one right now. Paul simply wants us to be so captivated by the glory of God that no matter whatever else may be happening, for us, what matters is that Christ is preached. Now, if you don't feel like you can be involved in that, you know, you get a bit tongue-tied, not sure what to say, look, we would love to help. If you want to be equipped for the task of telling people about Jesus, come and chat to me. I'd love to organise something. But brothers and sisters, if you're sitting there and you're not really wanting to be involved in speaking to people about Jesus, if you're thinking that you know, you've got gifts in other areas and so someone else can do that sort of thing, if you're hoping that no one will notice, if you just let this word of God slide like water off a duck's back, if right now you're fumbling around for some excuses for why this word of God doesn't really apply to you, if that's you, I really think you need to ask yourself why. It could be because you're not deeply convicted of the worth of the Lord Jesus, that you haven't really got that life is all about Christ and that you're struggling to be captivated by the goodness and the greatness of God Almighty. If that's you, then pray. Pray that you would know and love God abundantly. Pray that you'd be overwhelmed by the love and power of God and pray that you would be deeply concerned for the glory of God.
in the lives of the people around you. Because all of life, all history, is inevitably heading to the glory of God on the day of Christ Jesus. He is worthy of more praise and more honour than we could dare to imagine. And so what matters now is that Christ is preached. People need to know him. They need to know him now. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, please we pray that our love would abound in knowledge and in depth of insight. Father, we pray that we would be overwhelmed by your love and by your power. Father, we want to be the people who are profoundly concerned for the honour and the glory of your name. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us the strength to preach Christ Jesus, Lord and King and Saviour of the world, for your glory, for your praise. Amen.